Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah, in verses 1 through 16, has been given a mandate by God to go to the Gentile people of Nineveh. Jonah did not like those people. Jonah did not like those people because for a couple of reasons. One, he had made an awesome career out of decrying, out of crying out about how wicked and vile the Ninevites were. And people were like, yes, listen to Jonah. They're evil, they're wicked, they're vile. And then God, as God will do at times, He will totally change our course of direction. He said, I want you to go to those evil Ninevites. And I want you to preach to them repentance. That salvation comes from the Lord. And Jonah pitched a fit. He said, I don't want to go, God, because I know you. I don't want to go because I know you and I know you're merciful. And if I go and preach repentance, when those people hear it, they'll repent. And God, I don't want you to save them. Because they have done vile things. They have been wicked to humanity. And Jonah said, God, you'll save them. And God, if you save them, then we will be in relationship through you and I'll have to treat them differently and I'll have to, to love them. And even though he did not know what Jesus was going to say in the New Testament and the second is like it, that you love your neighbors yourself, he knew he didn't want to do it. And rather than obey God, eight times in chapter 1 it says that Jonah went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the bow of the ship. He went down to these places. But ultimately, where Jonah went was he went down and away from the presence and the fellowship of the Lord. And he says, I was there. That's where I was. That's what was going on in my life. And God loved Jonah enough. The scripture says that the Lord disciplines those that he loves. 
And the scripture says that God loved Jonah enough that in verse 17, he prepared a fish to swallow him. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Listen to me. Sometimes the lowest point in your life can be the best point in your life, especially if that best point drives you to a place of repentance and to a place of prayer. John Bunyan said, You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. You can do more after, but until you cannot do more. And today, I believe that God, through this life of this man Jonah, who was a man that knew God, he was a prophet. He had intimacy with God. He had knowledge of God. He had experience with God. He had relationship with God. That this, through this man Jonah, who decided in the fit of a moment that he would walk away from the will of God, I believe that we can learn today that God is telling us to be a people of prayer. I believe that He's going to show us how to pray. And I believe we will understand that what happens when we pray. Because listen to me. God is not interested in if you try to impress Him. But God is very interested if you allow His Word to impact you and you become an impact on the society that He's put around you. That's what he wants from us. So we've read it. Jonah's in the fish. And in the fish, he begins to realize, I done messed up now. And what do you usually do when you realize you have messed up now? Pray, right? That's what I do. Because that is at that moment that I think, man, prayer is amazing. Prayer is awesome. Prayer is the thing that I need. And Jonah has done that. I was looking back at different times in history. And one of the greatest prayer meetings in history began in September of 1857. It was begun by a man who was hungry for God. His name was Jeremiah Lampier. Jeremiah Lampier announced that he would conduct a noon prayer meeting each Wednesday at the North Reformed Dutch Church in New York City. On that first Wednesday in 1857... Only six people showed up. The next week, there were 20 people. And pretty soon, the 20 became 40. And then it began to grow exponentially to the point that they said, I tell you what, we're going to meet every Wednesday at noon. And ultimately, there were 3,000 people that were gathering at Burton's Theater to pray. It was not long after the daily prayer meetings were being held in Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, and Chicago. As a result, in less than six months, over 200,000 people accepted Christ in these towns. Charles Spurgeon in England heard about what was going on and he said, The Spirit of God is pouring out greatly in America. He said, I want us to do that. And in 1859, the great revival took place. William Law said, He who has learned to pray has learned the greatest secret of a holy and happy life. Today, if I can urge you to pray, if I can compel you to be a people who pray, then we will leave here today when we will have experienced what God teaches in His Word. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then... 
will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So as we dive into this second chapter, second act, if you will, of the life of Jonah, what are the things that we begin to learn? The first thing that we would understand is this, is that Jonah's shame. Jonah's ashamed of himself. Why is Jonah ashamed of himself? Jonah is ashamed because he realizes that he has put his will above God's will and has now decided that he wants to do it his way. And he says, Then, when I was in the belly of the fish, I realized and I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. What was his affliction? It wasn't just that he was in the belly of a fish wrapped by partially digested seaweed. It was he was away from the presence of the Lord. He was in what the Bible says is Lodibar, the land without pasture. That dry and dreary land where there is no refreshing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you've ever been in Lodibar. I don't know if you've ever been in the, the symbolic belly of the fish. But I can tell you this, if you have ever been there, it's the last place you want to go again. It's the last place that you want anybody to go. And it's the time that will compel you to cry out to God. What caused Jonah to go into the belly of the fish? Well, the scripture says God prepared it. God prepared it for a discipline. God prepared it for a discipline because he loved Jonah. And it wasn't because Jonah got in a boat that he went into the belly of the fish. It was Jonah got into the belly of the fish because he was not in the will of God. Now, do hear me this morning. God has a will for every one of you. And the greatest thing you can accomplish in life is not success, not financial security. The greatest thing that you can accomplish in life is to be in the center of that place that God would have you. Jonah's location troubled him. Go back to verse 2. I cried out of the belly of Sheol. Jonah is saying, you know what? I was really, this fish for me was hell. Now, I can imagine that he would understand that. It was dark. It was dreary. And I want you to understand something. When we talk about in hell, what does it sound like? In Matthew 13, 42, it says this, And I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. God allowed Jonah to get into that runaway ship to get his attention. God allowed the storm. God sent the storm. God permitted Jonah to be thrown overboard. It was God who designed, appointed, and prepared a fish to swallow him up. Now it is God who drives Jonah to prayer in the belly of the fish. Please hear me. It is easy for us to say, I am here because. I am here because of this circumstance. I am here because of this situation. I am here because. And we begin to look to blame everybody. And there are times in our lives that there are consequences because of the actions of another. I get that. But many times in our lives when we are the one at fault, 
Satan wants us to say, well, you don't understand, or well, this happened, or but, but no, repentance says, God, against you I have sinned. Now, if there are external circumstances or other circumstances going on, God, protect me from those, but it is me who sinned, God. It is me who needs to be forgiven. It is me who needs to be cleansed from my unrighteousness, and it is me, God, that needs to follow you and obey you. I remember from childhood that my mother would tell me, Chris, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord of all. She would follow that quickly with, Chris, partial obedience is disobedience. And somewhere in the conversation she would say, delayed obedience is disobedience. My mother just pounded it into me all the time that obedience is now. You say, I'm going to. No, 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 no. That's disobedience. And at that moment that you know, you become spiritually accountable for the information that is in your head. You can't go, la, 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 la. I didn't hear that. No, you heard it. And at the moment that you hear it, God holds you accountable to it. I don't even like that. I'm just going to be really honest with you. Because... God, through the grace of many other people, has given me knowledge that if I didn't hear another sermon, I would spend the rest of my life catching up with what I know. And Jonah, he is in a situation where his location has troubled him. The realization has tormented him. Look at it. Let's keep going. He said that when he in his torment, He said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Now again, his affliction is not just the fact that he's in the belly of a whale. The affliction is that he has disobeyed God, that he has walked away from what God has called him to do, what God has called him to be. He said, out of that belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not know where you are today. But I know this, that if you will cry out to God, He will hear your voice. If you will cry out to God and trust Him, He will answer and He will respond and He will be there for you. His realization tormented Him. His situation terrified Him. For you cast me. You cast me. The waters, they surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up in my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. I remember a time in my childhood. I had disobeyed my father. And I disobeyed him in the worst way that you could disobey my father. The worst way you could disobey my father was not to do what he told you. Not to do something he told you not to do. But to do it and then lie to him about it. And I had a great lie. All ready. For him. But he didn't come home on time. And he stayed out a lot longer than normal. And I remember that that, what I think was about three hours, seemed like an eternity. 
I felt the weight of my sin. I felt the burden of that I had disobeyed my dad. I felt all of this, and I didn't, and I wanted to confront him so I could tell him the lie, but I didn't want to confront him because I knew eventually he'd find it out. What I found out later was he knew, and he stayed home just so I would sweat. Stayed away from the house just so I would sweat. It was mean. It was evil. But it was effective. David said in Psalm 32, in fact, turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is at that moment that David realizes that he has been caught in sin. Psalm 32 said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and who in whose spirit there is no deceit. And look at verse 3. He said, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. What Jonah is saying back here is he said, I felt the weight of sin. I felt the whole pressure of the world closing in on me. And he said the reason for it was because of the sin. I was out of fellowship with God. And I see and I talk with and I have lived through. I see people who are guarding and hiding their sin because they don't want to confront it or they don't want to surrender it. And you can watch them, their countenance begins to change their actions begin to change the joy in their life is gone they become nervous they become guilty looking they become fidgety they begin to react in certain ways that you just know that it's there and I have seen people when they reach the bottom that's where he is the moorings of the mountains in other words I'm at the base of the earth I'm at the beginning of it all and I've seen people when they could finally cry out and say, Oh, dear God, here is my sin. I am so sorry. And you can see at that moment that the, the burden has been lifted and that the life is returning. And it's that kind of like if you can cut the circulation off to something and it just begins to grow pale. And then all of a sudden, I, I release that and the color comes back to the finger it's the same thing with the Spirit of God. We quench the Spirit of God through our sin. We quench the Spirit of God through our lack of confession and repentance. And the life-giving spring of water is gone from us. David said, I was growing old. Jonah said, I was feeling the weight of my sin. And he began to pray. His situation terrified him. The earth with her bars closed behind me forever. He said, I went down. I went down. Jonah's downward direction is the perfect picture of what happens when one chooses to dishonor God, to disgrace God, to disobey God. If you're out of the will of God today, You refuse to obey God's will today. You are headed down. This is what I want you to understand. 
it does not matter where you are in life and how far down you've gone if you will ultimately stand up and say, God, I'm in the belly of the fish. God, I cry out to you. God, I'm ready to surrender to you. The scripture says that when I called, he answered. And he came to my rescue. So the first thing that we see in this passage of scripture this morning is we see Jonah's shame, his location that troubled him, his realization that tormented him, his situation that terrified him. But in that moment of realization, Jonah begins to cry out with a a request. Look at verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, who did he remember? I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you, Into your holy temple. Jonah is at the bottom. He has fainted. And he says, I remembered and I cried out. And those who regard the worthless idols, verse 8 says, forsake their mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. If you're a New Testament follower of Christ, if you have become a person who trusted Christ to be your Savior. Romans 12 says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies. Jonah says, I will pay what I have vowed. I have vowed to serve you. I have vowed to follow you. I have vowed to tell people about you. I have vowed to speak for you. And today what God is saying to us In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our disobedience, if we will cry out to God and say, God, forgive me, cleanse me from my unrighteousness. God, I agree with you that your way is perfect and that you are holy. And we will pay to him what we have vowed. And what have we vowed to him? That we would be crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. God, here I am. I am doing this. The scripture says that he hears that prayer. A broken man's request. Jonah's dedication to the Lord is renewed. He said, I will sacrifice to you with thanksgiving. I will pay to you what I have vowed. Jonah's obligation is remembered. Salvation is of the Lord. God, I told you I would follow you. God, if you want me to go to Nineveh, then Nineveh is the place I need to be. And if the people of Nineveh are evil, but it is the center of your will, there's no better place for me. Listen to me, guys. Humanism says it's all about me. I am the author of my universe. I am the center of my universe. I am the captain of my destiny. And we have put in here... I got a text this morning that said... Today is your day of blessing. I got it with 20 other people, and I don't know one person on there. It says, today is the day of your blessing. If you will read this and repost it within 30 seconds, you will receive an untold amount of something. That is not God. God may bless me today. God has blessed me today. I'm standing here with you and I'm alive and I am blessed. But it's not because I received or forwarded a text that said that. 
God is not interested. God is interested. Let me say this another way. God is interested in your health. God is interested in your happiness. God is interested in your provision and all of those things. But not more so than your holiness. And there are times that His path for your holiness will take you into the valley. There are times that His path for your holiness will take you into trial. There are times that it will take you into conviction. And we must not hurry through those moments because if we want to see God, we're going to have to go through there. We've got to trust Him in those moments. And if all we do is put God on our the equivalent of Santa Claus, I ask He delivers, that is not worship. In fact, that's idol. And we're going to see that here that it says idol. Now, does that not mean, can you ask God for provision? Yes, you can. Can you ask God to bring peace into your life? Yes, you can. Can you ask God to bring happiness into your life? I hope you do. But understand this, God's primary purpose for your life is holiness. And Jonah, his request is, God, cleanse me from unrighteousness. God, cleanse me from this. I am remembering my dedication to you. I'm remembering my obligation to you. I want to go your way. There was a preacher named Dr. Chapman who was famous for crusades. And my summation of it is this. He was tired of preaching and people being impressed. He said every time he finished preaching, people would come up and say, great sermon, great this, great that, way to go, you're awesome, Woohoo!" He said, but I was not having impact. And he said, Lord, I don't want to impress anybody else, but I want to have impact on the kingdom. I want to have impact on people's lives. I want to stand in front of them and preach in such a way that not that they look and say, way to go, Dr. Chapman, but I want to stand in front of them and they go, how great is Dr. Chapman's God? I want him. There's conviction there, whether you're a preacher or a pauper, or a preacher who's a pauper, doesn't matter. There's impact there, there's conviction there, because modern Christianity has said, let me walk around and impress, let me look this way, let me act this way, let me think that people think that I'm something because I have a Bible and a Bible study and a book to read, and that is not what God's after, God is after a holy people who will cry out to Him for the nations God is after a holy people who will stroll into Nineveh and cry out, Jesus is the answer. God is after people who will go against the grain of culture and stand for truth but love humanity. You see, Jonah had pretty much everything in line. Jonah understood his call on his life. He was to proclaim Jonah understood his purpose in life. He was to go. But the problem is not those things, but Jonah didn't like where God wanted him to go.
And he made a request. God, hear me. My dedication is to you. God, my obligation is to fulfill what I promised. You ever, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Do you have any unfulfilled promises to God in your life? You know the ones I'm talking about? God, I promise I'll do this if God, if you'll do this, I will do that. And then God does it and we'll just say, just kidding. <laughs> I wasn't really. Just kidding, God. Yeah. Go read what God says about making a vow to him. He don't play. He does not play. And if you have made a vow to God, God provide and I will, then you need to go back and ask God to remind you of those things. Because Satan would love for you to forget them. But God, here it is. I will and we need to go back and fulfill those promises. And ultimately, God hears. D.L. Moody, who was famous, was sought after, made fun of because of his lack of eloquence but revered because of his impact slipped into a revival meeting where there was a little known preacher named Henry Varley who was preaching and Varley said the world has yet to see what God can do with one man who is fully yielded to him D.L. Moody said by the grace of God I will be that man. Moody, you know, went on to become one of the greatest evangelists of all time. But on his deathbed, this is what he said, I wanted to be that man, but it is still true that the world has yet to see what God can do with one man who is fully yielded to him. Jonah's dedication to the Lord was renewed. Jonah's obligation to the Lord was remembered. And what is the result? Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Jonah's pardon. Jonah was pardoned from his sin because Jonah confessed to the Lord. Jonah surrendered not to his will, but to the will of God. And Jonah had an appreciation for God's sympathy. Jonah had an appreciation for God's work in his life. He cried out, salvation is of the Lord. Now, I believe that is a double meaning there. I believe he knows that salvation eternally is from the Lord. But he also knows that salvation in our situation is of the Lord. 
when God rescues you from your sin, when God rescues you from your consequence, when God rescues you from your disobedience, when God has mercy on you and says, I hear you, I will restore you, I will implement 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin to me, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I will make you a new creature. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. It's interesting to me that the same God that he turns his back on in chapter 1 is the same God he calls on when he's in trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the worst thing in your life is not to be in trouble. The worst thing in your life is to be in trouble and let pride keep you from crying out to God in that moment and saying, Salvation is of the Lord. Dwight Moody said that he vowed to be that man that would yield himself to the Lord. This morning, when you came in here, how did you come in here? You ever think about that when you go to church? How did you go to church? Did you go to church this morning and saying, well, I'm going to show up. I'll put a check mark by it. I did my duty. And I can leave saying, boy, I was in church today. God's blessed. Straight up, we've all had that attitude. Yeah. Well, let me back up. Straight up, I've had that attitude. Or did you walk in here today Humbled by God's mercy. Hungry for God's purpose. Haunted by your past and your disobedience. You see, every one of us walked in here somehow. Doesn't matter how we walked in. It matters how we leave. It matters how we respond to the word of the Lord. So today, regardless of how I entered, and I will... What will you do with the word of the Lord today? Jonah cried out. God heard. And ultimately, God did what Jonah feared. And he brought revival to the Ninevites. So in my mind right now, I've got a lot of thoughts going. But it would seem to me that the response to this moment is this. First of all, Lord, have I made any promises to you that I have not kept? If I've made promises to you that I have not kept... Lord, would you bring them to my mind? And would you show me the best path to fulfill it? Here's truth. Some of those are expensive. It may cost you to make it right. I don't mean just money. I mean it could cost you pride. It could cost you relationship. It could cost you... A lot of things. 
but are you willing to make it right? The other question would be that I think is a, is a place of response is, Lord, is there, what are the things that I know to be your will that I'm not obeying right now? And that list could go on. It could go a lot of ways. But ultimately, we cry to the Lord. And I ask you this morning, would you cry out to Him? Satan will lie to you and say, don't stand up, everybody will judge you. The Spirit of God would say, stand up and see and behold the work the Lord has done on your behalf. 